Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. One of the problems with traditional budgeting is that we lock down our budgets once a year. So we're, it's a bit like tying the rudder of a boat to the deck. It, it, it removes your ability to steer. So that's why it's important for steering a company. And we're talking here about operational expenditure, but also we've got capital expenditure as well. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Strength in the Number show. Today I'm talking to Steve Morledge. This is the second part of a two-part series that we recorded together over the Christmas period. And Steve's a bit unusual in that he spent 25 years working in normal finance roles. I mean, his last role was as a financial controller of Unilever's UK foods business before branching off into a career doing so many leading things in finance, questioning some of our older practices and introducing ideas and practical methods actually around some new ones that could perhaps be very useful for us going into the future and what I'm most interested in talking to him about was how to delve more into the meaning of dynamic resource allocation and its importance to our organizations and by the way this is a really cool area and I'm really excited about it because it uses simple math to get across some very complicated ideas and, and how we can use them as finance professionals to help our organizations better steer the boat so to say uh, and allows us to be a bit more agile. Indeed, we actually go into uh, seeing agile as a mechanism uh, and how some companies can use it to measure risk attached to their business and also as a learning process too. Um, another area we I really enjoyed that Steve uncovers is neuroscience and actually how things like graphical presentation are much more useful than having data in tables to get the message across. And also as finance professionals, how we must understand the concept of noise, particularly noise in the data, where there's so much data, big data being fired at us uh, that it can perhaps overwhelm. And, and within there, there's going to be a lot of noise. So how we can use the 10-4 rule to safely ignore some of that noise. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, you can check out our timestamp show notes, key quotes, resources, and ways to connect with Steve and more at sitnshow.com. And we always really appreciate it when you recommend the show to your colleagues and friends. They can subscribe on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. And that's enough for me. So without further ado, over to Steve and the show. Well, look, I mean, I suppose, I suppose just on that one, I'll come in here because I have a fascination with numbers, always have. I mean, it's a relatively new invention in, in as, as human beings or as homo sapiens, whatever you want to say. You know, we've been responding to visual signals, you know, like rustles in the bushes, you know, yeah. uh, more so than, than numbers. I think numbers were probably invented around, what, six, seven hundred um, AD or whatever. So it's, it's a, a, and sort of Indochina. So it's like a relatively new invention compared yeah. to responding to yeah. threats and, and images, which is, you know, what we're helping our organization is, is to, is to, yeah. to respond yeah, to the threats. People were still using Roman numerals in business in the 18th century. 
so 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 like you know so like and actually it's funny it's i had a, my daughter say the other day what's the what's the time daddy it's like oh look at it, oh, it's roman numerals of course she hasn't been yeah you know i yeah. said look at the clock and yeah. of course it's roman numerals so she's not going yeah. to, to and know if you that. think of roman numerals they're really a way of representing digits aren't they yeah, well, well well, it's, it's, fingers. It's, yeah. So, but if that's actually how they're teaching maths now, actually in schools, yeah, it's, it's digits, yeah, yeah, you know, on yeah. fingers. And uh, I tell you, one of the things I learned which uh, shocked me is that the first recorded instance of the use of the concept of an average was 1632. Wow. Uh, we think of an average as being obvious, but if you no, if, if you think that. about it, it's an abstract mathematical concept. Mm. You can't point at something and say, "There's an average." It's, it's a concept which is purely abstract, which we're so used to that we don't think about. But it's an abstract wrong. mathematical concept. And if we just think what we would do if we didn't have the concept yeah. of an average, <laughs> just, it's, it's, yeah, modern life isn't possible. But it's, it's relatively recent. Yeah, that, very, very recent. That is crazy. Well, like, you know, it's what a new mean reversion was. I just didn't even think to look. I mean, that's fairly recent. And then it was there was another bombshell dropped on the show um a few weeks ago when, when another guest mentor, uh, Martin Quinn, mentioned when he's going through the Guinness archives that the, 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 the drink brand Guinness actually invented the students' tea distribution. Absolutely. And it, it was, was accountants. A, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was about 18... It, it, no, it, was, it was later. It was later, that, yeah. It? Yeah, it wasn't that long yeah. ago. Yeah. The whole science of statistics is even more recent. Really, that only kicked off properly at the beginning of the 20th century. Yeah. Even then, the branch of statistics that most of us were taught was based on static populations, so it didn't cope well with with changes. I, I mean, we're getting off into yeah, yeah, it's very but, 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 no, but it comes back to making sense of things, right? So numbers, as much as they're in our they're our bread and butter, like as human beings, making sense of numbers is relatively a new thing for us. When it comes to pictures, we're much more used to those. You know, we've been sketching them on caves for ages, for thousands of years. And there's a specific problem we have with the concept of... I, I always say that the biggest problem we have conceptually as accountants is we have no concept of the idea of noise because we're taught to believe that any difference between two numbers, whether it's an actual to a target or an actual to an actual to an actual, is significant, whereas it usually isn't uh, because there are random factors at play and that's what noise is. And we... I kind of lost count of the times I've been doing talks where I've used the word noise and somebody's put their hand up an accountant and said, what do you mean by noise? Yeah. I don't understand. And it, it's just not in our conceptual language set. And so it's not just an issue that we don't have tools to help us identify what noise is yeah. and to make inferences in an environment which is noisy but we, we just don't understand what a concept is. So just on that one, Steve, like, like I, I, I'm just you know, thinking you know, my career and, and peers and whatever, like and I noticed some, some of us out there that, that, that use rules of thumb to, to cut through noise, right? Like for our younger listeners, though, I, I'm just wondering, like, how do they, how do they know? Because you made an important point, right? One area we can add a lot of value is helping our organizations understand what can we safely ignore? right yeah from a noise perspective so is there any sort of simple things we can do to just know what to ignore yeah the one i use is what i call the 10-4 rule which is how many sequences 
what kind of sequence constitutes a meaningful piece of information? And the way to think about it is if you coin, flip a coin. So if you've got a coin and you don't know whether it's a fair coin with a head and a tail, or it's an unfair coin with two heads or two tails, how do you decide at what point do you decide? How many coin flips do you need to know to, to have a reasonable, to be able to guess whether it's meaningful or not? Mm-hmm. Now, ultimately, you don't ever know for sure because it's possible that a coin could have two heads and it's just by chance keeps on landing. Uh, it could be a fair coin, yeah. sorry, yeah. and just by chance landing on heads all the time because yeah, but it becomes diminishingly small. And the arithmetic is quite simple. If you get one coin toss, it will either be heads or tails, so that doesn't give you any information. Mm-hmm. Uh, two toy coin tosses, if they are both heads or both tails, then there's a 50% chance that's a biased coin if it's three in a row then there's a 25 percent chance there's four in a row there's a 12.5 percent chance and so on and so forth if you get four in a row then there is only a 12.5 percent chance that that is a proper unbiased coin and it's just bad luck that it's landed on heads or tails four times in a row the where that becomes practical if you've got people who've overshot their budget uh, once in a row, two times in a row, three times in a row, you can't really say with a great deal of confidence that's bad performance. It could just be bad luck. Mm. It's when you it, you get down to the kind of 10% or below probability level, do you, does the burden of proof begin to shift? And if you think about it, if most of the time we act or, or we, we make a judgment and then act upon it way before we get four in a row or five in a row or six in exactly a row. Exactly, we do. So we think we're more sure than we actually are. Now, like a lot of things, it's not quite that simple, but that gives you a simple rule of thumb. And, and it just illustrates kind of in passing why it's ridiculous to draw conclusions based on one data point. Yeah. Because one data point gives you no information. No. Well, one data point doesn't make a trend either, does one it? One data point doesn't make a trend, <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. you know, I know, but um, I it's think... It's either going to be heads or tails, yeah. you know, and that's... <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, well no, yeah. I, like, I like it when we keep things simple. Now, now um, I, I can, we've had a good conversation, Steve, and I, I want to be respectful of your time, but I, I do want to get on to some, some sort of work that's on your, on your journey as well. So you, you've done present sense. And, uh, you know, I think it's really important to, to maybe talk about just some of the things we, we've spoken since was, was, I, I, I don't know. I do think, I do think you've, you've touched on it very well. The key battleground that's dynamic resource allocation. Um, would you mind maybe sort of sharing with the audience what the heck that is and how do you manage to get up there? So, uh, I'm going to answer the question by going backwards a bit. Don't worry, it's becoming a trend. <laughs> We've done yeah, this before. Yeah, that's right. Three data points there. All of this stuff that I, I'm doing is really trying to fill in the practical gaps in beyond budgeting. One thing that might be helpful to, to people listening to this is that what started off as an appendix to the present sense book became ultimately the little book of beyond budgeting, which was an attempt to try to explain the concepts of beyond budgeting in a simple and accessible way, particularly to more senior people who are time poor. But beyond budgeting process principles, there are six of them. The issue to do with targets and how to set targets, I covered off in present sense. I covered off second of the two, which was forecasting and planning in Future Ready book. Covered off 
how do you measure performance, which is the third, third of six process principles in, in present sense. That leaves two to three other ones, one of which is the whole issue of resource allocation. Because, And why this is important is because if we think about what we're trying to do here is to build a system to help steer the performance of a company, the way we steer performance is by reallocating resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So instead of putting resources over there, we're putting them over here. So it's that's our steering mechanism. Now, one of the problems with traditional budgeting is that we lock down our budgets once a year. So we're, it's a bit like tying the rudder of a boat to the deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For the next hour. It, it removes your ability to steer. So that's why it's important for steering a company. And we're talking here about operational expenditure, but also we've got capital expenditure as well. Yeah. And yeah, we've talked for a long time about the importance of allocating resources dynamically uh, in response to the emerging reality. But we then have a practical problem of how do we do that? And so that's what I'm turning my attention to at the moment. And I, it's Probably we don't have time to go to it in too much mm-hmm. detail, but essentially you can chop up the problem into two, is that you have two types of resource allocation. You have resource allocation, continuous and discrete. So what I mean by continuous resource allocation, it, it's resources attached to processes. So if you don't have budgets, how do you make sure that people, we spend money wisely in supporting all of the kind of routine processes in the business, whether it's it's production, whether it's uh, supporting service operations, or whether it's administering the company itself. There's resource allocation, that continuous resource allocation. And I, I think the established set of ideas, practices, and methods around lean fits in very well in that space because lean is all about continuous improvement. And if you know anything about the work of uh, people like uh, W. Edwards Deming, who was one of the intellectual founders of what is now called lean, uh, he regarded fixed targets as being uh, the cause of problems, not a solution to problems. But then we have the problem of discrete resource allocation. And there are kind of two things that inform that one is our tools uh, when we come to think of uh, certainly large scale resource allocation conventional net present value dcf type analysis where the whole thing is predicated on the assumption typically that we can predict cash flows 10 years ahead hmm. which is utterly ridiculous if try if if budgets and <laughs> trying to predict things one year ahead is stupid how how ridiculous is is 10 years ahead. So we, we need to find a mechanism to explicitly recognize that we can't predict precisely. We need to take into account ranges. And we also need to take into account the fact that more often than not, we're not making a commitment to spend money that we can't change. We can change. Yeah. We can start change the way that we spend the money so that takes us into a whole area which is called options theory and so i'm looking for a simple way to take options real options thinking and make it practical such that you can do it on a spreadsheet and you don't need phds and <laughs> on, on, 
Monte Carlo analysis. Associated with that, the whole area of project management has been transformed over the last 20 years because, surprise, surprise, people within the project management space have recognized that it doesn't make sense to manage projects by constructing a giant Gantt chart <laughs> on the assumption you know everything yeah. and then forcing people to comply to it rigorously. Yeah. And, and that's where Agile has come from, where you projects proceed by a process of iteration where you're constantly changing in response to what you've learned from the last iteration. And that philosophy fits in very well with beyond budgeting and continuously allocating, reallocating resources based on knowledge. And so what I'm seeking to do is to bring that options, real options thinking and that agile uh, methodologies and concepts together into a practical methodology, mm. which enables you to rationally make decisions in an environment of uncertainty. Yeah, and and I, I I do think I do think you're right, Steve. I think we, we should really dedicate more time to this topic in the future. Um, once once you've done that, but just to get it's just giving our audience a sneak preview of this because for me this is highly exciting because you got the element there of, on the one hand, being able to help our organisations reduce uncertainty and increase for flexibility around commitments. I know how far to push something before you should not push it any further or how much to invest in a very simple way. And we're not talking complex maths here, but actually quite straightforward. It has that to be simple. has to be simple because that's how we yeah. get the message across. And then the other, yeah. and, and in part meaning, the other part then is helping organizations know where to put their money dynamically yeah. in real time and what to be working on and what to shift from. So now it allows us to, to do what we've always been asked to do yeah. fundamentally, which is reduce uncertainty. That's why we've got the compliance and controls. The next yeah. bit then is driving, help drive the ship. Where should you put your money? So it's yeah. that holistic yeah. place. And that's why I'm really excited yeah. about it, Steve. So I hope you don't yeah. mind me catching you off on that one. No, 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 no. I mean, and you're absolutely right that uh, you can then start to, if you've got a mechanism to measure not only the likely outcome of a project, but also the risk attached to it, and you can put numbers to that, then you can start to construct uh, investment portfolios exactly. on a rational basis. You've got numbers. You don't just have to somehow agree on what high risk or low risk is. You can put numbers to it. And you've got a mechanism for allowing you to recalculate those numbers as you learn. Because they, you talked about reducing uncertainty there, which I, I, I mean, although I steer away from that, the way that what we've learned, I think, and this is one of the messages from the whole Agile movement, is the way you can't reduce uncertainty uh, yeah, I, yeah. by thinking. Yeah. You reduce uncertainty by doing. doing yeah, it's dealing with yeah. it. Yeah. 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 So you do stuff and you do the stuff you do should be consciously, you should, it's, it's a bit like an experiment. You're, you're doing, you're conducting a business experiment so that you learn. And as you learn, you increase knowledge yeah. and knowledge and uncertainty are in opposition. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but uncertainty <laughs> is the lack of knowledge. So as yeah. you increase your knowledge, you're reducing uncertainty. Yeah. I, 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 th I think, um, you know, that's, 
I suppose I'm uh, where I come from on this, Steve, is always from the stakeholders' point of view because that's what they're looking for is that reduction and uncertainty. But you're right, we, we go through the process of dealing with it. Yeah, particularly the area where you work, which is <laughs> tech. Yeah, yeah that's oh, just it's... all about it. Nobody knows. You have to have tools to help you make rational decisions in an environment which where knowledge is constrained because you're doing things that have never been done before yeah yeah but that's what makes it an exciting area as well and i think yeah. i think there's just more of those opportunities coming up for finance to get involved in it's no accident yeah. why I've, I've landed in this area but um, yeah but but they yeah. and we don't have the tools at the moment but that, but, we don't have the tools in terms of the way we think <laughs> We don't have the tools in terms of do the do the numbers. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, it would be interesting to hear from our audience on this one if if they do have because, like in my own personal circumstances, we are developing the tools. Um, yeah. We're bringing in the latest thinking. You know, we are developing software, so it's not just finance can benefit from, but it's just a whole organization can can get this applied type of thinking that works. And it's I like the word used as well, Steve. Dynamic. It's got to be yeah. capable of keeping up with what's going on. Um, yeah, and adjust the course. So, look, Steve. Um, you know, really appreciate um, all this this conversation, this journey. Uh, but, but I'd love to just throw some quick questions at you before we yeah, wrap sure. up. And um, the first one we normally ask our guest mentors is, you know, a lot of great advice for us in there. But you know, what's been perhaps the best bit of advice you've ever received? Okay, so the best bit of career advice I ever had was. Somebody said, when, when was the last time you were excited at work? <laughs> so I, I know it was a bit of a challenge for most of us. Yeah, yeah. It might not have lasted more than a few seconds. And what she said to me is, how do you, how do you construct your career to, so you get more of oh, that? Yeah. point she was making for me is don't over-intellectualize it. Just go, oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. uh, how do I get more of that? That's... That, and that, that's why I've ended up doing what I'm doing now, because if I'm, I just don't do anything that doesn't excite me. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I, well, I hope this podcast has been exciting anyway so far. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it's me. I don't know about anybody else. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> As you said, it'll probably be a two-parter, so, uh, you know, um, keep, keep people going with it. But, uh, no, that's, that is great advice, Stephen. Um, I, th I think one way of, of bringing that out, if, if someone isn't asking that question themselves, ask at the end of the day, you know, uh, make, a, make a quick point of, of, of identifying what excited you, if anything, and how can you do more of it? Um, I think that's yeah. great advice. And I, I look, um, you know, you mentioned some of your books there. I've obviously got a few of them on my bookshelf. I'll put those into our recommended resources. Are there any other sort of areas or things our, our audience could check out from a resources perspective that might help them? I'm going to suggest one thing that uh, I suspect nobody else will ever have recommended. There's a book by a chap called Phil Rosenvig, uh, this R-O-S-E-N-Z, W-E-R-G, called The Halo Effect. And I think it's really good because basically what it's about is saying most of the stuff, and it, it's, it's, he's an academic, so but it's well written and easy read, is most of the stuff that's churned out, the marketing stuff that's out there uh, about what's successful, who's successful, why they're successful, is wrong. <laughs> All right. Um, it's a story that people construct based on limited data. Uh, the reason why I think it's 
important is that it's a it's a metaphor for the the process we're going through which is how do you evaluate evidence mm. and how, how do you communicate that evidence in a way that helps people make rational judgments but also it's a bit of inoculation against the marketing hype that's out there because 98% of the stuff out there which talks about about what it takes to be successful is just hype. Some of it that is based on what people claim to be Mm. uh, scientific evidence-based processes, which aren't. And Rosemary does a terrific job of deconstructing that and in the process uh, providing... I think a very sound platform on which to help people navigate through that kind of thicket of competing advice and hype and noise. Look, I think we're all aware of this this advice that's out. There. I, you know, you're the first person, Steve, to recommend that book, and I, I, you know, given it's coming up to Christmas, I'm going to to probably get that one and uh, and read it over the holidays so thank thank thanks for that one i just can't help but feel that a lot of what's out there is post-rationalized um, bs um of what's worked for yep. one person in their own individual scenario uh, and if someone t- says the word self-made millionaire or billionaire again I, I just think that's just a disservice to all the people that um have supported the other person along the way i think it's uh it's too simplistic. yeah and the people have had a great idea who for 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 whatever reason it could just be yeah luck have 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 failed yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. there you go yeah. nassim taleb the guy who wrote oh, black swan yeah probably somebody will have recommended to you i mean he talks yes, about survival yeah, bias yep. one person survives from a shipwreck probably just by luck you don't end up saying well what i really need to do is to be on a leaky ship yeah yeah you would exactly yeah. Yeah. what's the next yeah. leaky ship i can go find yeah yeah because yeah. yeah. I, I know how to survive yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a good one. No, thanks, Steve. And uh, look, um, you know, I suppose our audience, if they wish to continue the conversation, where's where or how is the best way to connect with you? People can find me either by googling. My company is called Sartori Partners, S A T O R I Partners. Uh, so you'll find me on the web or through Beyond Budgeting, or uh, and are happy to engage in one-to-one conversations by email or whatever if that's helpful. And most of my contact information contact information is in most of the books as well. That's another way of getting in touch with me. Excellent. Well, well Steve, uh, thanks, for, thanks for mentioning those. And I'll my put pleasure. those links in the show, show notes. Now, before we let you go, just wondered, have you got any maybe parting thoughts for our audience before we wrap up? Um, happy Christmas. <laughs> Excellent. Now uh, you're either just, uh, 2019 <laughs> or 2020, yeah, yeah, depending yeah. on when you, when yeah, you uh, I was going to say, yeah, it's got, there's going to be a bit of editing of this in terms of putting it together. There's a lot in there. So, uh, you know, I want to make sure we get the full message across. Um, but you've also put nice pressure on us to, to, to do it quickly as well. So it's relevant to the, uh, the parroting thoughts. But, um, but Steve, look, it's been a, an honor, a pleasure to have you on the show. And uh, thank you very much, Andrew. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter. 
which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers. 